Welcome to episode 20 of the PFS Power podcast. Today we are joined by Carla Brown, who recently won the Chartered Financial Planner of the Year Award for 2021. Carla runs her own wealth management practice, Oakmere Wealth Management, up in the northwest of England and regularly contributes to the PFS panel. So we're delighted to talk to Carla today. How are you getting on, Carla? Really good, thank you. And thanks for inviting me today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Congrats on the award, firstly. How did it feel to win that one? Wow. Um, um, amazing. I mean, it was it's the fourth time I've entered the awards. Um, for the last three years, I got as far as the semi-final. So I was, I was thrilled just to have made it to the final this year. And I really didn't think that, you know, I had, I had a chance of winning. Um, I ended up having to do the panel interview from a service station off the M6 because I just dropped my son <laughs> off at university. So it wasn't <laughs> ideal. <laughs> People rushing past me and it was so noisy. But um, yeah, blown away. It was fantastic. Awesome. What's the what's the actual I'm interested to know what the process is behind it. And I think some of the work I read that you did for, for that contributed to your getting the award was the pro bono stuff that you do so I was just interested to hear about what that pro bono uh, work is if that's all right yeah so but in terms of the process for the awards you've got a, sort of your initial submission then you've got a really technical case study um, and then it's a panel interview um the, the pro, pro bono work that we do so I, I um get involved with um I do mentoring for other advisors other planners uh, I mentor three other advisors at the moment um, I'm involved with the Society for Later Life. I'm the Joint Regional Coordinator for the Northwest, so I help put on the CPD meetings, the regional meetings. And I'm also involved with the Million Dollar Roundtable. Um, I'm on the UK committee there, uh, so heavily involved in that. And it's really about encouraging the sharing of best practice within the profession within the UK. Um, in terms of client work, I do a lot with the PFS around the um, education in schools. Um, I've loved doing that throughout lockdown, um, being able to do it virtually rather than actually going into the schools made it so much more accessible. Um, love doing that. I love hearing the questions that we get from um, from some of the pupils. Um, and then a lot around sort of advising women as well. I'm on the advising women committee with St. James's Place. Um, so being able to help shape the way that we approach financial planning for women is something that's really important to me. Uh, so I've loved being involved in that as well. Brilliant stuff. It's, I mean, it sounds like you're doing a lot of amazing things. Have yeah. you always, always had that drive to to want to help and mentor and coach and all the sorts of things that you're talking about there? I find it fascinating. And some people kind of do a bit of it. They say they do it, but they don't do it too much. It sounds like you're you're, you're kind of uh, you're well versed in it. I absolutely love it. Um, I feel that, you know, I've been in the profession for about 25 years now. I've learned a lot. I've had a lot of experiences and I've learned a lot from other people. Um, some of the best practices that I've put in place are things that I've gleaned from chatting to other financial planners. And so I want to be able to share some of that now, some of the experiences that I've had. And if I can help somebody on their way or stop them from making a stupid mistake or wasting the time on something, then fantastic. But it's about trying to raise the standards within the profession and, and you know, bring everybody up to a, a level that gives a great client outcome. For sure. I'm interested, actually, college on that. I know we've got a lot of other stuff that we want to talk about, but some of the stuff you've thought off is really interesting. Something that we're passionate about, um, Rob and I, and at First Wealth, is the educational stuff. And you mentioned there around the PFS stuff with the schools. How does that work? Um, and what's your experience been like with it? So this is something I've been doing for a few years now. And obviously, you sign up with the PFS as an education champion. There's a, a verification process that you go through. And then the PFS will email out if they've got some schools that you want that they want that have requested sessions. And there's various workshops you can do. Um, there's ones around just leaving school. There's ones around debt. And there's some really basic ones. You know, what is financial planning? What, you know, what do the numbers mean? Um, then 
you can either choose to go in person to the school or you can do it virtually. Obviously, for the last 18 months, most have been virtually. Um, but it's really good being able to engage with younger people in that way because the, the, the financial education in the UK is so inadequate. You yeah. know, kids are leaving school with no idea. And this is something that's been a problem for years. Um, and so if we can go in and help and teachers try as hard as they might, they're just not equipped to deal with some of the questions or actually understand what, what, what the product might be or, or what it means. And so if we can just give a bit of our time to help educate the younger generation, then hopefully we're staving off a lot of problems further down the line. Yeah, such a valid point. I think you're right. We come out of school learning how to do trigonometry and stuff like that that we'll probably never use again, but don't know how an overdraft works, right? Exactly, exactly. Or what a loan is. Yeah, it's terrifying. How did, just interestingly then, when, how did it all start for you in terms of how you got into the profession? I'm sure to look back at your, the kind of backstory. So, so where did it all start for you? Quite, let me just dredge my memory back because it's so long ago now. <laughs> um, so I kind of fell into the profession as I think many people did or do still. Um, I left university with a degree in English Lit, um, wanted to start earning some money and I got a job uh, on a pension review team back in the 1990s. Um, I didn't have a clue what a pension was at the time. Uh, moved into the underwriting department and then we used to get financial advisors phoning up chasing the life props. And I thought, wow, that sounds so much more exciting than sitting in here in this office, just looking at files all day. Um, and so I got a job as a trainee financial advisor, did my FPC exams, um, worked as a mortgage advisor in a state agency for a few years. And then just as um, the world imploded back in 2001, I moved into the wealth side. Um, and became a wealth advisor uh, and then worked for various um, large corporate entities, uh, private client departments, uh, worked as an IFA and then back, well, 10 years ago, next month, actually, I set up my own practice, Oakmere, um, and took a leap of faith and, uh, and went on my own and I've absolutely loved it. Being able to create something that reflects my ethics, my um, drive in terms of building relationships with clients is just so rewarding. For sure. What led, no, definitely. And what led to you making the decision to set up by yourself? Was there like a turning point? There was. I, I was becoming really disillusioned with the industry. Um, I worked in one of the large banks. It was very corporate. It was product driven. Uh, we were encouraged to develop relationships with clients. And for me, you know, we were just doing such a disservice to them. And I love chatting to people. You know, I like having conversations and building relationships. And I just wasn't able to do that. So I was becoming really fed up with it all and I thought right okay what's a different way of doing this and I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it within the framework of where I was working so I looked at right okay what else can I do and I looked at all the options I looked at going directly authorised I looked at joining another company um, joining a network and and that's basically the route that I went down so I joined the St James's Place Partnership um, and for me it's been it's been brilliant you know it's allowed me to create the business that I wanted um we're not the same as every other St James's Place partnership we we do work very differently um but that's the beauty of what we've got in that we can develop and grow our own business good for you I'm interested to dig on that dig down on that a little bit more then so your St James's Place journey tell us a bit more then about how it's perhaps been different to other partner practices what you just kind of referred to there so from day one um I was adamant that I wanted to be branded differently a lot of the partners will um, use the St James's Place branding. For me, um, I wanted to be completely separate. I wanted to build our own identity. And um, we've been able to do that. 
with, with um, sometimes it's felt a bit like I've been swimming against the tide. They are a lot more open to that now than they were 10 years ago. And I think they've recognised that people are coming along who want to bring up, build their own identity. Um, but it's allowed us to, to do that, but also have the support of a bigger company standing behind us, do, taking away from me a lot of the hassle a lot of my IFA friends have. Yeah, for sure. And is it, is there been any challenges along that way? I know obviously you've said 10 years ago, you've probably had to fight to have your own identity and things like that. Has there been any other challenges that you face sort of running your own business? Um, I think the biggest challenge is, is growing the business. It's it's scaling it. It's it's finding the right staff. That's my biggest um, headache, finding and retaining the right staff. Um, you know, it's so important to me that the people that we bring into the business have the right culture and they embrace the culture that we've got here. Um, and it's really difficult to tell that at an interview stage. And especially so in the last two years, we've been having to interview over um zoom or teams it's been really difficult but we've got a great team now we've recently taken on another two financial planners um they're experienced in the bank assurance world so we're now um in a process of transitioning them into financial planning and how we work at oakmere so that's a really interesting journey um but really looking at how we grow the business and dealing with all the personalities i mean it's it's i love it but it can be very frustrating as well yeah i can imagine i was going to ask actually what what's the sort of the next 10 year vision for you then what, what ambitions have you got in terms of driving the business forward so the, the business is really growing organically now um, a big percentage of our new business comes as referrals from existing clients um, i think we're about 40 percent at the moment so that's that's a great um sign to us that we're doing something right clients clients love what we do so it's really how do we carry on being able to um, service the existing clients but also deal with the volume of new inquiries that we, we get coming through as well. So it's getting the it's getting the right people in to be able to help us on that journey. So the business is, is going to carry on growing. We renovated our offices um, just as we went into lockdown. Actually, we spent most of, of, of the lockdown period in a building site, <laughs> in and out of a building site. Um, but it's great now. We've got room to grow here. So, yeah, I see the business growing significantly in the next 10 years and looking at, at you know succession as well you know the, the new planners that are brought in hopefully are going to be here for the longer term and uh, can carry on what we've started here what about um your role color are you still seeing clients yourself every day or are you sort of like on the business no very much so still seeing clients that's a bit i like i'd rather hand the, uh, <laughs> the on the business bit over to somebody else <laughs> so i brought that. on an operations manager in april 2020 so she deals now with a lot of the day-to-day -day hassles of running the business um which allows me to focus on seeing the clients um i have reduced the number of clients that i see uh because because we want to do a good job with our clients and we do we do do full financial planning it takes time to get that right so we want to make sure that we are doing the right thing by the clients um, so this is where it's important that we bring in new new planners to make sure we can continue to do that. But yeah, still very much client facing. Brilliant. And uh, just on the the point there around the um, the sort of referral from existing clients, those numbers are brilliant, by the way, right? And uh, makes everyone's life a lot easier when you've got a client that says, "I've been introduced by a friend or a family member," and that you're kind of they're, they're a bit warm, a bit more warmed up. How have you? How's that progressed? Is that from day dot you saw that, or is that something that you you've had to work your socks off at to, to get there? No, it, it has it has always happened, but more so recently. I think as as they've seen as clients have seen the business grow, and particularly as we are now heavily involved in the full financial planning the lifestyle style planning the coaching side of things the cash flow forecasting i think clients can see the value that we add and they're not afraid to recommend us 
Um, it's something actually I think we could do more on. We could work harder at. We're not very good at actually asking for referrals. We don't do it. You know, we, 18 months ago, we actually built a referral policy, which we haven't implemented yet. So we want to start doing that. So I think, you know, if we're getting these results without asking, just think what we could be doing if we started asking for them. Are you able to share what that referral policy is? How it's going to work? Yeah, it was about um, sending questionnaires out to clients, asking for feedback, using more of the um, the referral sites. So things like Vouched For, um, we have a presence on there, but we haven't really leveraged it. Um, sending things to clients as a thank you. Um, and again, just asking clients, you know, if you're happy, then would you recommend us? We don't even do that. Yeah. You know, so we, we really should be asking more. 40% and not even asking is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it is, but it could be better, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you find, you're, you're sort of 10 years at the, the helm of a, a, an SJP partner practice then, do you find that the work that you're doing, the lifestyle financial planning, the coaching, the things that you're talking about there, do you, are you finding that that's feeding back into SJP and, and how their, you know, their progression as a sort of an umbrella company as well? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've been really lucky in that I've had a voice within SJP. Um, I won the first Charter Financial Planner of the Year Award at SJP back in 2019. Um, and since then, um, I've been able to um, influence to some degree some of the thoughts around um, lifestyle financial planning. Uh, I'm involved with the Thought Leadership Committee at SJP as well, the Advising Committee, that Advising Women Committee I mentioned earlier. So I have been able to give impact, input as to how they grow and develop that side of the business. It is something they're, they're really focusing on now, uh, the sort of the financial well-being aspects and looking at how we can roll that out to other partners. So I do a lot of work in webinars, podcasts within St. James's Place and work with other partner practices to try and develop their processes to to work on a more of a lifestyle financial planning full financial planning process um and this is something that yeah, that's happening across the industry it's not just within, yeah. within sjp no for sure i'm interested as well carla just to understand obviously because you're doing a lot of amazing things just to touch on one of those really good things is that rising women committee that you're on you are mm -hmm. right just to tell us a bit about what that is yeah i mean this is something that's been really interesting there's been um, some work done with the wisdom council as well um around why do women not engage in financial services, financial advice as much as men do? Is it is it um, misconceptions? Is it preconceptions that people have? Is it is it the marketing literature that a lot of, a lot of providers put out? So it's really trying to work out why is this why is this happening? Why are women not represented enough within financial services? And this is not just as clients; it's as financial planners as well. I mean, I go back to when I first joined the industry; I'd be the only woman in a room you know, quite often. Yeah. Thankfully, that has changed significantly. And it's so refreshing now to go to meetings and conferences and seeing the female presence there. It's fantastic. Um, so now we want to be looking at, OK, how do we get more women involved in actually making financial decisions um, rather than perhaps leaving it to the partners or you know, just not having an interest? Um, women tend not to see themselves as investors, but they actually are. You know, they'll have pensions. They're investing in other ways. So it's making it attractive to them, either through the um, literature that goes out, the words that we're using, the way we're approaching meetings, how can we make women feel more comfortable uh, talking about the finances? And it's, it's kind of encouraging women to build this team around them. You know, we can be part of that team and help them become independent. Mm. It's brilliant. It's, it's so much room for that progression as well, I feel still. So yeah. uh, something to keep keep plugging away at. And, it, you know, I guess similar on, on that same sort of thread, in, 
clients that you deal with do you have a particular i mean last couple of episodes we've we've host we've just done have been talking about branding and niche having a niche have have you got a particular niche in terms of the clients that you deal with um we 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 are developing a niche um particularly around business owners um age when i look at our client base now we seem to have developed a niche in sort of the the 40 to 65 age bracket so it's people who are fairly well established in the careers or business owners and approaching retirement. So that seems to be where our, our niche is developing. Um, we do have a high percentage of women uh, who, who invest in with us as well. I think it's just over 50%, which is unusual. Um, so yeah, I think there's a couple of niches that we are developing and that's probably something we're going to explore more going forwards. Do you think the large like 50% working with uh, working with w- with women is, is obviously higher compared to probably I would say across maybe the, the profession do you think that's largely because of the work that you're doing as well and maybe the, the the voice that you're giving yeah I think it probably is yeah I think and also I think women refer women more than men do um women are more comfortable talking about things like that than men are typically yeah. um and so more able to refer uh but and, and, I mean until January this year we were an all-female practice um, it's only this year we've actually um, brought some men into the practice and that wasn't by design it was just, it just happened that way <laughs> um, and so maybe that meant that we attracted more women I, don't, I really don't know I mean we do get people who come to us and ask to see a female advisor yeah yeah it's something we, we we're literally talking about this the other day you know having it's yeah we, we I think you've had it before Scott right where there's been a a, a lady referred from a from an existing client yeah. that has said I specifically want to deal with a, a female advisor is that right yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So it's. I think you're right. There's having the ability to be able to service across that spectrum of, uh, you know, and and being able to say, you know, look, we're not all middle-aged, balding males. We do have uh, pretty successful female advisors here that would love to speak to you. Uh, it opens that door, right? It makes that conversation a bit easier for them, I imagine, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's so few practices out there that 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 can offer that. Hmm. So being able to have that diversity within your own practice is fantastic. In terms of the one thing I was going to ask you, career highlights, right? So obviously, one of the Chartered Financial Planner of the Year award must be up there. But but anything else that particularly stood out in your career? Not you know not necessarily just the SJP, but if we track back for all of the years, you know what what, what sort of things, other things are, are of note? Wow, um, I think obviously obviously I should say obviously that winning the award this year is just the pinnacle. That's that's just amazing. Um, winning the SJP award back in 2019 was um, kind of the first taste I've had, I'd had of entering awards. And so to win that then was fantastic as well. Um, so to be recognized, you know, amongst my peer group, um, starting the business 10 years ago and, and, and seeing how that's grown and flourished and how we're now, we're a team of, what we're now 10 and we're just recruiting two more. So seeing how that's grown in 10 years is, I'm so proud of what we've done here. Um, but going back even further, I think making the transition from mortgage advising into wealth at a really difficult time you know as, as markets fell through the floor um was a bit of a leap of faith uh, and i'm just, but had i not made that jump then i wouldn't be where i am now so you've got to i think you've got to have confidence in yourself sometimes you've got to take these these leaps into the unknown and just just run with it has anyone won chartered financial power of the, of the year two years in a row is that the next target <laughs> I was hoping to have a year off next year. <laughs> Feet up. I've been doing the case study for the last four years. I need a break. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, 
we'll see we'll see where that one goes um in terms of in terms of obviously we're about shining a light on people in the profession and, and how we can move the profession forward is if you were to give one piece of advice to maybe people that are listening whether that's thinking of moving in into financial planning starting their own business what would that what would that be I think it would be take time to work out what you want to achieve and why you want to achieve it. What is your why? What's your driver? What makes you want to do that? Because that's really important. And I think, you know, when you're trying to sell your concept to other people, you need to believe in it yourself. And if you know what your why is, then people will buy into that. I mean, I know when I go out doing some business development, if I go out and do it, I'll get a better result than one of the team going. Because it's something that, uh, you know, the business, it's my baby. I, I can promote it better than anybody else. Um, and that, that probably sounds really arrogant. I don't mean it that way. But, you know, it's my why. It's what I've, what, I've, what I've created. And so I think, you know, having that determination, that reason why, when you start out, will help you on your journey. And it, if you can link that into everything that you do, so anything, any conversations you have with clients, any posts you put on social media, you know, really try and have that thread running throughout, then you'll be more authentic. People will buy into you. But it's taking, you know, taking time to get your proposition right. What's your client offering going to be? Who are you trying to target? Who do you want your ideal client to be? And then scaling your business that way, I think is the, the, sort of the best advice I would give. Yes, quality advice. And the PFS Power, as you know, is all about sharing, collaborating, like Scott said, shining a light on those that are affecting sort of positive change in the, in the space that we find ourselves in. So is there anyone or, or anything in particular that you'd like to give a, a special shout out to, perhaps someone that's kind of helped you to get to where you are or shared experiences with you or, or, or anything that you're kind of reading or absorbing at the moment that's particular value? Wow. Um, I mean, there's so much good content on the um, PFS Power site. Um, I've loved a lot of the work that Brett Davison's been doing. I think that's really interesting, particularly around, you know, um, the kind of the practice management side of things and growing your business. I think that's really useful. There's a lot of people out there who are accidental business owners and the businesses, as, as I have been myself, you know, kind of learned as I've gone along. So it's really useful to have that out there. Um, and a lot of the stuff around social media, you know, for, for a lot of us, it, it doesn't come naturally. Um, and so that's been really useful as well. But there's just so much content on there. Gosh, I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> no, we, uh, Brett's, Brett's stuff's always very useful. I was actually on a webinar of his uh, last week, which was which was really interesting. Um, but finally, Carla, if, you, if listeners want to connect with you, ask you any questions, where's best for them to do that? Uh, email, email or social media is probably the best way to, uh, to contact me. By all means, you can uh, get in touch. That's not a problem at all. Wonderful stuff. Look, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Congratulations again on the awards. Uh, best of luck with everything that you're working on across Oatmeer. And uh, yeah, hopefully we get to meet up soon. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Absolutely. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Carlos. <laughs> Thank you.